Good morning, Oakwood. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, and we're going to get to that in a minute. If you don't have your Bible and you want to get that Bible in the pew in front of you, turn to 810 in the pew Bible there. Hold that, and we're going to get to that in just a, a couple of moments. Several years ago when uh, Dan Wilson, our executive minister, was, was still alive, he and I went to the hospital to go make a visit at Bass Hospital. And in the lobby, they had the robotic surgery machines set up in there. They were just bringing that thing out and had it on display for everybody to see and had a little reception. And our own Dr. Michelle Bergner was there. And, and I said, Michelle, are you going to be using this machine for surgery? She said, well, yeah, after I have some practice and some, you know, uh, get some training on it. And I thought, Hey, Dan Wilson, here's your first patient right here. Well, Dr. Bergner is an OBGYN doctor. <laughs> she said, well, he doesn't have the right parts. I said, well, that makes him perfect. You can't mess anything up. <laughs> you see how quick we are to volunteer somebody else, but we're often very slow to step to the plate ourselves. Sometimes we just don't want to step out and, and step forward and say, sure, I'll do that. Sometimes I make lists on different things that I hate or that annoy me or bug me or whatever. And I was making up a list, coming up with this sermon of things that make you just go, oh, really just kind of make you cringe or like kind of growl internally, okay? I came up with a few of these. You open a box... And you see these dreaded words, some assembly required. <laughs> 300 pieces here. Takes you. When your spouse says, we need to talk. Guys, you, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe you're having a problem either with your cell phone or internet service or cable TV or some piece of equipment. And then you're told, you need to call customer service. You've had those experiences, right? Okay, what about going to the Department of Public Safety for a driver's license renewal? Hmm. You guys that will be going to take a, a driver's test soon, you will find out what kind of a place that is. What about if somebody comes up to you and says, we have an opening on our board or our committee, would you be interested? And you're like, hmm. And then the, finally, the last one is someone, and maybe it's from the church, maybe it's from the community, says, hey, I'm in charge of such and such committee or ministry. Would you be willing to serve? And you just get that lump and like, hmm, let me think about that one. We're in a series called Witness, and today we're going to look at how we are witnesses for Jesus Christ by serving the needs of others. Turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 13. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people put light on a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light 
to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus tells us here we need to be salt and light. Salt seasons. It adds flavor. It preserves. In fact, salt is one of the most precious, valuable commodities in the world. Light is warm. It's welcoming. It shows the way. It exposes danger. Light repels darkness. And we're told to be salt and light. And I believe one of the best ways that we can be salt and light is by serving. You know, but serving kind of goes against the grain. It goes against the norms. And, and our society doesn't really value serving. And really kind of goes against the human nature in us because we want to be served rather than do the serving. Society tells us to achieve greatness, and that's not done by serving. That's what society tells us. You may have heard somebody referred to as the goat, okay? Now, used to, if somebody said, called you a goat, that was a kind of a disrespectful term. But now the goat, G-O-A-T, and it's all capitalized, greatest of all time. Every sports has their list of the greatest of all time. Whether it's basketball, baseball, there can be a goat for everything. And in fact, there are goats, maybe it's the greatest president of all time, or the greatest singer, the greatest actor. But nobody ever recognized the goat or the greatest of all time for the greatest servant. We just really don't have an appetite for serving. But Jesus redefines greatness. See, our, our world will tell us what it means to be great. Jesus redefines greatness. And if you turn to Mark chapter 10, he's going to tell us what greatness is really found in. Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 42. And Jesus called them to him and he said, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. For whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus defines greatness here, and actually he redefines greatness by serving. And not only did he redefine greatness, but he modeled it for us. And in fact, if you go through all four Gospels, you're going to see example after example of Jesus serving others. And he said, I didn't come to, so you could serve me. I came to serve you. So my sermon today really only has one point, okay? So if you're taking notes, get this one, okay? Because it's going to be a one-point sermon. You ready? Serve like Jesus. That's it. Serve like Jesus. Because when we serve others, we're really preparing the soil for other people to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many people are unwilling to listen or even to consider the gospel until they consider someone that loves them with the love of Jesus Christ. 
So that's my point today, okay? But I am going to make a couple of, actually three different observations, okay? But I've got one point, serve like Jesus. The first observation I want to make today is, why do we serve? Ephesians 6, verse 7 says, wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. You see, we serve because we're serving God, not man. And we also serve because Jesus commanded us to serve. And he not only commanded it, but he modeled, modeled it for us. John 12, 26, whoever serves must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Get that? That's why we serve. Parents, we spend a lot of time teaching our kids life lessons, things that we consider that are important or valuable. We want them to, to accept our, our values in life, and so we spend a lot of time teaching them things that we think are important. But I believe, parents, listen, that one of the best things that we can teach our kids is to serve. And if they see us serving, they're more likely to be inclined to serve themselves. I had the greatest example of a servant that anybody could ever have, my father, Glenn Seibel. Tomorrow actually marks six years that he passed away. And he not only modeled for my family, but our church, the community of Lamar, Missouri, and even the state of Missouri, what it meant to be a servant. See, for as long as I can remember, Dad always served. He always was giving and serving people. But after he retired, he basically filled his day up serving other people. He would take people to doctor's appointments. He would take people to uh, run errands, to the grocery store. He would mow lawns for widows. He, he served meals on wheels. In fact, he was the go-to guy. If somebody couldn't make it, they called Glenn Seibel. When he passed away, Rob Wilson wrote his entire church newsletter article about the service of Glenn Seibel and what a legacy he had left about serving. The state of Missouri even recognized that, and one day he was honored after he retired. He received the Heart of Gold Service Award for the entire state of, of, of Missouri. And he called and told me what had happened, and he said, I told him just to, just to mail it to me. I said, you're not going to go to Jefferson City to the Capitol? He goes, no, I told him just, just to mail it to him. I didn't need any recognition. I said, Dad, that's kind of rude when the governor invites you to, he wants to, to give you an award to not to show up. Well, it just wasn't worth the gas. And he goes, I don't need to be recognized. You see, he understood what service was all about. And we serve because that's what Jesus expects us to do. And, and truthfully, we're never more like Jesus than when we're serving. The second observation I want us to make is, who do we serve? Matthew 20, verse 27 and 28 says, Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we serve the Lord, plain and simple. That's who we're serving. Now, it may be people that we're serving, but ultimately, it's Jesus himself. And when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, he said, 
I've set an example for you to follow, and I want you to go and do this. How many of you, just as a matter of just curiosity, have ever participated in a foot washing service before? A few of you here. It is one of the most humbling experiences you can ever have in your life, having someone wash your feet. That was typically the job of a servant. But Jesus did that for his disciples and said, I'm showing you an example of how to do this and how to serve. And he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So whether we feel like serving or not, if you're a committed follower of Jesus Christ, it's not optional, friends. It's not optional. We're commanded that we have to serve. And I believe that we start serving those who are the closest to us. You know, we don't have to look very far to find somebody to serve. This world is full of hurting people. People that need to feel that somebody cares. That somebody loves them. Matthew 25 verse 40 says, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me also. All men will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. So when we serve other people, we're, we're actually serving Jesus. And there's something about Jesus that was really unique. He noticed people like nobody else noticed. He noticed the people that everyone else ignored. The lonely, the lost, the hurting, the lonely, the discouraged. The people that were entangled in sins. And, and listen to me. In order for us to serve like Jesus, we've got to start noticing and seeing people like Jesus saw them. We've got to see the people that are invisible to the rest of the world. And we've got to see them through the eyes of Jesus. And we've got to see people not as interruptions or distractions. But we've got to see them as Jesus did. As people with needs. And you know what? When we serve people and we see people like Jesus, Philippians 2.15 says, we will shine like stars in the dark. When people serve, they just are stand out. You will notice people that stand out like that when they're serving. And sometimes our acts of service may seem kind of dull or mundane or routine. And we really may not even know how much it meant to that person or, or what a difference we made until sometime later. But even if we don't ever find out that we made a difference, you keep serving anyway. And sometimes we serve in an area that maybe you've never tried before that is way out of your comfort zone. Serve anyway. Because that's where we grow. And we need to remember who we're serving. We're serving the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, Jesus Himself. And it's not just an opportunity for us to serve. It's a great privilege for us to serve because we're serving Jesus. Third observation I want us to see is how do we serve? Well, Psalm says, serve the Lord with gladness. And I want you to know something. When we serve mankind, when we serve others, we're really the ones being blessed. Now, we may be a blessing to them, but we're really the one 
receiving the blessing. Amen? And when we serve others, we're putting the love of God on display. In John chapter 13, when Jesus washed his disciples' feet and he talked about servanthood, he said, by this, and he's meaning the way we love, the way we serve, all men will know that you belong to me. If we serve out of duty rather than out of love, most often we're going to miss the whole blessing entirely. And the goal for us to serve is not so that we get the glory, but so that God gets the glory. We want God to be recognized. And if you never get recognized, that's great. John Ortberg, a pastor and author, says, More than any other single way, the grace of humility is worked into our lives through the discipline of service. And Jesus said in Matthew 23, The greatest among you will be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. See, he redefined greatness. He said, if you want to be great, you've got to be a servant. And you've got to humble yourself. I actually was going to make a list of people that serve here in this church that you don't even know about. People that plant flowers, mow the grass, and do repairs and painting and stuff. But I thought, I don't want to take their blessing away. Because they serve not for recognition, but they serve because they have found joy in serving the Lord. They have bought into this concept that I'm really serving the Lord. Colonel James Irwin was one of the astronauts on the successful moonwalk, Apollo 15. And that was a, it was a very successful uh, mission and on the way back, he realized that he's going to be now seen as a superstar, some type of, of an international celebrity because he walked on the moon. But he was also a Christian, and he realized, I can't let this go to my head. Listen to the humility he expressed in these words. He says, as I was returning to earth, I realized I was a servant, not a celebrity. So I am here as God's servant on planet earth to share what I have experienced with others so that they might know the glory of God. I think that same motto would really help us a lot. I'm a servant, not a celebrity. And sometimes God prepares us for great things and greater responsibility through acts of service. And Jesus said, if you want to be great, You've got to become a servant. Make your life all about what you do for others. Now that goes against what our world's going to teach us. It's not popular. I want to ask you, what if you only had one week to live? If you knew that this was your last week on this, this earth, how would you spend it? Would you go on a vacation? Would you spend all the money you could? Would you have all the fun you could? Would you spend all the time with your family you could? Hopefully you wouldn't go on some kind of a great sin binge that think, oh, I'm going to get it all out of the way now. Hopefully you would make your life count. Jesus in John chapter 13, he knew that his time had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. And having loved his own, 
who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. You know how he spent that last week? He did, he did the work of a common slave. That was the week that he washed his disciples' feet. He ministered to the lonely people. He encouraged his believers. He encouraged the heart of his followers. He comforted them, and then ultimately he died for them. So he spent the last week of his life being a servant. Let me tell you, you want to kickstart your life, your spiritual life, start serving. You want your parents, grandparents, you want your kids to serve, they need to see it in you. Some of you here today need to start serving. Some of you here today need to put your ego and your pride aside and start serving. Guys, listen to me. You want to be a great man of God, a great husband, a great father? Start serving your family. Ladies, you want to be a great woman of God, a great mother, a great wife? Start serving your family. If you're a boss, if you're a leader here today, and you want to be a great leader, you want to be a great boss, start serving those under you. That isn't what the world's going to tell you, but that's what Jesus tells us. Several businessmen were at a leadership training uh, conference in Walt Disney World. This was several years ago, and one of those days they were allowed to just kind of walk around the park and just kind of explore and have fun and they were commenting just how clean the park was. One of the guys said, you see that guy over there? He doesn't look like a custodian, but he just walked 20 or 30 feet out of his way to pick up a piece of trash and throw it away and backtrack to do it. One of the guys said, yeah, he doesn't look like a custodian. And so they said, excuse me, sir, are you part of the custodial staff? And he, he said, yes, I am. And he just kept right on walking and they thought, there's no way this guy's a custodian. And they said, how many people are on your custodial staff? And he turned around and he said, 45,000. And he just kept right on walking. And they're like, did we hear that right? 45,000 people on their custodial staff? No wonder it looks so good around here. The next day, they went to their session. And the moderator came in. And he said, we've got a great surprise. You guys are going to love this. He goes, the CEO of Walt Disney World is in is in the park today and he's actually going to come talk to us for a few moments and, and share with us and answer some questions and then walked this energetic guy that was sharply dressed and had a polo shirt on but he had these Mickey Mouse ears on his head and he started high-fiving people and clapping people on the back and these guys said wasn't that the custodian that we saw yesterday well sure looks like him it was the CEO at that time of Walt Disney World, Michael Eisner. Now, if he could get that excited about serving for the sake of Mickey Mouse, how much more as Christians should we get excited about serving for Jesus Christ? I want to go back to my one-point sermon today, okay? If you don't hear anything else I hear today, serve like Jesus. Serve like Jesus. We have a 
a serve board back here in our kind of connection corner that we have that we've got a lot of lists back there of areas that you can start serving right here. But I want to encourage you, don't limit your service to this building or even this congregation, Oakwood Christian Church. You serve mankind. And when you do that, you serve Jesus. We just got a bunch of suggestions of areas that you can serve Jesus right here at this church. So check that out afterwards. Serve like Jesus. Let's pray. Father.